Hello and welcome to North Point Plus. Episode, Yo. episode seven. Seven. We're seven. up to week seven. The number of perfection, the number of fullness. That means this is going to be the best yet. <laughs> and oh, I was going to say it was going to be the last one, but oh. we'll go with that. But <laughs> It'll we'll be the best. Just better than last week. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a bar that we can hit. Uh, this is our follow-up podcast to Sunday Messages. Uh, we just wrapped a sermon series called Sticky Notes. Yep. Uh, and Rick, oh, I forgot to introduce ourselves. I'm Mark, one of your hosts. Over I'm here. Rick. We have Rick, who is recovering. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Feeling from, much better. From whatever you're, whatever you're recovering from, you can see it in the message. Go back and watch it. That's right. <laughs> we don't need to rehash it. <laughs> That's right. Um, but you went through the book of Jude. Yeah, I which l- is, love the book of Jude. That book is like a bomb. Yeah. <laughs> like every, every two or three verses is just... Lots of stuff there. Lots of stuff to unpack. So if you can, if it's even possible, what is like the 30, 45 second elevator pitch of yeah. Jude? Uh, I, th- I think that um, Jude is incredibly worth reading because it gives you a sense. The, the big picture is um, we've been talking about false, false teachers and, and uh, how the church deals with that. And the book of Jude is really that Jude is compelled to write this letter because there are people who have snuck into the church that are not really living out the gospel. Their life doesn't match um, what they what they espouse, and um, and that inconsistency Jude not just calls out, but but sends off all kinds of um, reminders of the danger that there is in being sucked into into uh, not living out your faith, not living out consistently, and and what the coming judgment is for that. Uh, so that's a big deal. And then the last four verses of the book are just incredible. Um, praise to God and awareness of, uh, of how much God loves us and that He wants to preserve us from all the junk that's out there. Yes, yeah, and we were even talking, we really love those last few verses yeah. of Jude. <laughs> yeah. Jude could only be even shorter in just those four verses. That's right. We love that. That's yeah. Well, and it's easy because most of the time that people talk about the book of Jude, like if you if you listen to preachers talk about it, that kind of thing, most of the time they'll quote the end of that. And now to him who's able to keep you, um, that uh, that's where they go. Um, and that's great stuff. But you don't want to f- you you don't want to miss all the stuff that leads up to that because that's what makes those last four verses so powerful. I was just, yeah, I was just gonna say it's you almost rob the encouragement that could come from those verses right. when you ignore the warning right. and the seriousness and the severity that comes <laughs> leading up to the conclusion. Right. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Uh, so in in your message, um, you had talked about you addressed. Sorry, there's salt here from something. <laughs> You've been assaulted. <laughs> Apparently. Um, you brought up the book of Enoch. Or yeah. Enoch, however you want to pronounce it. Um, and so one of the questions was, where can we get an accurate copy <laughs> of the um, book of Enoch? You know, it's really interesting because uh, Enoch is a book, uh, Enoch, whatever, is a book that's not scripture, yep. but it has lots of uh, history. And lots of theology that's there, and it and a big portion of it, and it's like I forget what seventy chapters, something like that, maybe more than that. Hmm. Um, uh, a b- big portion of it is focused on a passage that happens in Genesis about the, uh, that happens before Enoch, but but is contemporary to that about angels that come down that intermarry with um, people, and and explanation for that, the Nephilim. Um, that's a that's a big focus of what the book is about. Um, and again, it's not scripture, 
uh, it's not inspired, but it but it was something that was very common for the first century church for Jews at that point in time to know and be aware of. I mentioned in in the message that that portions of the book are found in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Um, as best I can tell from from my research, there's only one full copy that exists, and it's in um, Egyptian. I think is the language, so it's not even one of the original. It's it was probably written in Aramaic and Hebrew. Um, and so it's not even in the original language. It's a, it's a translation. But actually, if you Google it, you can go buy a copy for, I think I saw one for $7, so you can buy it. I'm not sure how reliable it is. Yeah. I've, I've not read it, but, uh, but it is something that Jude references twice. Yeah, and I think, I think the way you put it in your message, too, that kind of categorizing the importance of it, I think having the parallel of the Constitution for the United States versus the Federalist Papers. Federalist Papers are very informative, very important, but not at all looked at in the same way right. as the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, Declaration of Independence. So there's certainly benefit to reading Enoch, to, to seeing why uh, the Jewish people kept it in their yes. readings in a fam- very familiar way, a familiar enough that Jude quotes it right and references it right and 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 recognizes that people would have been well aware of it right so yeah. there's certainly some importance to that but when it comes to the level of Enoch versus scripture right scripture wins we know yeah that. absolutely um, so I want to I want to kind of go through some of the questions uh, that came in some of the topics that we've 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 discussed and I want to first start off with uh, humility uh, this is how Jude starts his letter or at least how we can observe that Jude starts his letter and you, you brought it up in your message that the way Jude introduces himself when you really think about it is so weird <laughs> it, it really it really but it's is really powerful yeah when you act, when you draw out so unpack that a little more about the humility that Jude models for us that he probably observed from Jesus himself yeah I what's what's what I think is really kind of cool or um, challenging, maybe that's a yeah. better word for yeah. it, is um, we don't value humility in our culture, like, at all. No. Um, it's, it's all about posturing yourself, positioning yourself, showing how much power you have, so, you know, how much swag, all, all that stuff. And, and here's a guy who had the ability to really say, yeah, Jesus was my big brother. I, I saw him. And I didn't believe until I saw him resurrected, um, and that and that changed everything. He could have aligned himself and gotten his credibility from that, but he says, "Actually, no. My, you know, I, I'm a bond servant to Jesus. Mm. James is my brother. Um, I I just think it would serve us well to recognize that whatever level of position or power God has raised us to at this point in time in our lives." It's all because of God, hmm. um, and um, I, I, I've told this story before that I have a sister that's 15 months older than than I am, and uh, when I was in high school, I was I, I I played football, I started, did all that stuff. I was uh, president of my class. I sang in the choir. Was the president of the choir? I I, I was very visible in high school. <laughs> yeah. And um, and I would come home, and my sister, who was 15 months older, who was an introvert and quiet, she would say to me oftentimes, you're not so great. I'm just here to tell you, you're not so great. <laughs> um, <laughs> she said, that was my mission in life, to just make sure you didn't get a big head. Um, and, and to be real frank, we need that because uh, 
we need to recognize anything that we have is it really is not because of us. It's because of God. It's because of what Jesus is doing in us. Mm-hmm. And even if we've developed great skills and have great academic background and all that stuff, God's the one who gave us the ability to get those things. It's yeah. not It's not that we've um, captured that all on our own. And so it's, it's just a really good um, focus, I think, yeah. to wrestle with. Yeah, I think Jude demonstrates a very clear understanding that our, everything in our lives should point to Jesus, not to ourselves, right. not to bring more attention to ourselves. I think of the the passage that, that Paul writes of counting others as more significant yeah. than ourselves. As Christ followers, we obviously count Christ as the most significant. Yes. So if I'm introducing myself as Jude, the brother of Christ, the brother of Jesus, I'm not, I'm not really making much of Jesus. So I think, yeah, the way Jude subtly demonstrates that is a convicting takeaway yeah. at least for me. For me too. Yeah. yeah. Which is great. Um, so moving through the book of Jude, it quickly <laughs> turns into a, a dire warning. Um, I mean, if you think back to, and we were joking yeah. earlier about fire and brimstone preachers. Yeah. Jude certainly. Jude lends itself to it, man. Bill yeah. Like a fire and brimstone preacher. Yeah. Um, that, and, and so I wanted to kind of talk about that, the seriousness of sin. I think if you read through the book of Jude, there is no question to the severity of sin and how God deals with it and, and how it affects God and how it affects the church. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we can go in so many so many different ways with that, but I think talking about that first and unpacking that a little bit, the, the severity, the seriousness of sin for Jude is important to, for us. Yeah, we, we we tend to think about sin as, oh, yeah, it's this thing that gets in the way of a right kind of relationship with us and God. Mm. And um, and don't recognize the gravity of it, mm-hmm. and um, and the and the judgment that comes as a result of that. Yeah. And so when I was working on yesterday's message, um, I was thinking, do I devote the amount of time that I did to the destruction of Sodom and yeah. and the stuff that was in Newsweek about that? Yeah. Um, and and I felt like I needed to help paint a picture of God's response to the severity of sin that existed in Sodom. And when you start thinking about an explosion that's a thousand times greater than, than an atomic bomb, mm. than the atomic bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima, um, and the destruction that happened instantaneously, it was because God said, enough is enough, and, um, and, and there are consequences for your sin yeah. in a very clear way. Um, it... It should frighten us in a healthy way, mm-hmm. but more than anything, it should sober us um, yeah. uh, about the choices that we make very cavalierly to say, yeah, I know it's sin, but I think it's okay. It, yeah. um, it's, it's a big deal. Yeah, well, I think it, it even helps put into proper perspective, like you were alluding to, the definition of what sin is. And right. So I, I so often hear people kind of define what what sin is and i've heard this definition rolling around of well sin is just it's not god's best for you <laughs> so when you don't when you do something that's not god's best for you that's what sin is and the the judgment that god puts on that it's God's wrath and god's judgment is just the consequence of that sin so if you're if you're sleeping around with a lot of different partners whatever you would say the consequence of that is STDs or right. broken families or whatever that is. And that's the judgment of God is just the consequence that you experience of sin because sin is not God's best. 
but that's not really the picture that you get from Jude, or from no. the Bible. From the Bible, yeah. And specifically from yeah. Jude, that's not really the picture that we get. Yeah, it's it's interesting to me because I really didn't develop this, didn't have time to, but the whole concept that's that's there in, uh, it's probably down in verse 8, 10, I can't remember exactly where it is. I can see it on the, on the page. <laughs> yep. um, but the whole idea that, that, that they're given over to everlasting darkness. Mm. Um, and the and um, one of the questions I think that I think it made it into into the um, sermon based questions is the the whole concept of um, lake of fire mm. that that um, sin causes us to be cast separation from God into a lake of fire or eternal darkness, which is worse. <laughs> <laughs> neither neither sound very fun yeah. um b- b- and when you think about them they're devastatingly um uh, dis- destructive yeah. to to be down in a cave and all the lights turned off and you can't see your hand in front of your face yeah. and and you don't know where anyone else is you don't know where any danger is mm. um it th- it doesn't take long before that becomes overwhelming yeah. um and um, and and so the consequences of sin are um, are severe in terms of the, the the physical stuff that happens to us, as well as the separation from God. Yeah. And and we tend to think we tend to think, oh, I could handle the separation from God, but I can't handle the other things. And it's just a mistake to yeah. think in those terms. Yes, one of those is worse, and it's not yeah. the one that we typically think. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, and that, and that leads us to, I think, a, a natural segue to a question that was submitted by Ray. Um, and Ray brings up this this phrase that bothers me because there's, as with many Christianese phrases that tend to get thrown around, we tend to build our theology off of a phrase yeah. <laughs> rather than scripture. Uh, and so Ray brings up uh, this love the sinner, hate the sin phrase. Right. Um, and so Ray's question is, is this correct? Is this the correct idea? How do we reconcile this idea, love the sinner, hate the sin, with passages like Jude 23, Psalm 11:15, which says to reach out in mercy, and also says that God hates the wicked. Right. So with that phrase, it's it's thrown around so much. How do we reconcile this idea of this common phrase of love the sinner, hate the sin? And God's <laughs> how God acts <laughs> according to Jude. Yeah, that, that, it's a great, great question. Yeah, because um, clearly, when we have when we have the ability to cultivate a relationship with somebody who's far from God, mm. or somebody who's straying, um, who's gone down a path away from God that mm. that maybe um, you know is has just lost track of stuff. That Jude's challenge is snatch them from the darkness. You know, it's 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 to it's to go out and do everything that you can to bring them back to God. And so, in the context of that relationship, man, to to extend mercy, grace, love to to love people back, but to be very clear about the authority of Scripture and and that that um, sin separates us from God and ultimately. Um, uh, uh, results in destruction f- for us for them for the choices that we make and and so the the um th- that phrase is not found in scripture um you know love the sinner hate the sin it's not there the i i think conceptually there are some things there but the thing that you recognize i think from the book of jude is that um 
we need to be so aware of the danger of getting sucked into a, uh, an acceptance of sin yeah. that, that we need to just recognize that God hates that, hate, hates the sin. He hates the, yeah. the, the perpetuation of that sin. Even as he loves people, yep. he hates what that does. He hates the destruction that comes as a result of that. Yeah. Um, a little behind the scenes look, um, Sunday morning, I said to Mark, hey, can you find a picture of the Highline Trail at, at uh, Glacier National Park? And he was able to use it. It's, it's there in the message. But it's, it's hard to capture that trail that's not very wide hmm. and has this, this cliff that's right there on the edge that if you're, if you're just not all of your senses aware of what's going on, you could go over in an instant be dead. Uh, you know, the, the, there's just no doubt about it. And that's the danger that Jude warns about in, yeah. in terms of being sucked into sin. And, and um, for me, if I'm walking on that trail, I'm hating the edge of the trail. <laughs> I'm loving the rock and hating the cliff. Um, yeah. And and that that really is that's a, yeah, that's, that's the a picture putting it yeah and, and we were talking we alluded earlier to to fire and brimstone preachers and I I had brought up to you separately the the famous infamous Jonathan Edwards yeah. uh, sermon titled uh, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God and so often that gets brought up of like oh it's it's unloving to preach in that way because it's fire and brimstone and judgment and and all of that um, <clears throat> and I had alluded to the Edward's main point in that message is, yes, there's certainly judgment coming. There's fire and brimstone and punishment. But even in the title of the sermon, it's you are in the hands of God. Yeah. Like, you are being preserved right now and you have this opportunity. And I think um, that's what Jude gets to towards the end. It's like God is the one able to preserve you. Yeah, so, he's able to keep you. Yeah. yeah. So that's, yeah. The, don't build your theology off of a phrase. <laughs> build it off of scripture. Correct. <laughs> even there, even though there may be truth in the phrase. That's right. Um, and I know Ray knows that. Yeah. Um, and so, moving kind of through again the book of Jude, uh, we we kind of already talked about the d- destruction of Sodom. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a point in there that's worth going back and exploring. Um, and it's really how do we interpret scripture? Because um, you had mentioned in this in this study that recently came out about Sodom. There's this line where it says, like, well, it seems like this could be where they got the idea for Sodom and the, the destruction of Sodom is based on what had already happened. And so they just kind of invented it. Um, and it kind of it brings us to the question of how do we interpret what happens in Scripture? Do we let the experience that we have, the experiences that we see, uh, speak into what we see in Scripture? Or is it the opposite? Or is it both? Or how do we handle that? Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I I don't know how well I did in reading that um, that quote from the article because basically the power of it was that these 21 scientists said, okay, here's what we found. We found all this evidence for this cataclysmic event. And it's and we think that that's probably what created the opportunity for there to be this story in Scripture about the destruction of Sodom. Something happened there, and we think that that's probably... They, they, somebody experienced that, and that created this story of Sodom. Um, now, the fact that scientists would reference the Bible, that's the power of that quote, that these yeah. 21 scientists would say, oh, this does have some connection yeah. to what's been found in Scripture that for years and years, you know, for hundreds of years, people have said, ah, it didn't really happen, there's, there's no archaeological right. evidence for it, that kind of thing. 
but here's here's the point that that um, that we want to talk about it in this. You can start. You can start and look at the world around you and say, "Okay, this is how I understand the world." Oh, and that makes sense because of scripture. I interpret scripture in light of what I see in the world around. Um, that's a, that's a path. And if if that's the path that you take, when you understand scripture, when you interpret scripture, you're going to make it fit your worldview. Um, if I go back to last week's message from from Second John about the importance of objective truth and the and the reality of objective truth, mm. there's a different path to take that says I'm going to start with scripture, with the authority of scripture, and I'm going to interpret the world in light of what scripture says. And and I would make uh, I, I would advocate as strongly as I can to say that that's the proper path, that God's word is true, that that's our starting place, mm. and that we make sense of the world around us um, in light of what Scripture says, so that um, it's no problem at all to say, yeah, we can trust the authority of Scripture. And then, lo and behold, in, in, in the late 1940s, when they find the Dead Sea Scrolls and they say, mm-hmm. oh, there's been no change in the, in the book of Isaiah in 2,000 years, we say, yeah, we trust Scripture. When, um, when all of a sudden archaeologists say, uh, yeah, we think there was this cataclysmic event that's, that sounds remarkably like what happened in the Bible, we can say, yeah, we've believed all along that what God's Word says is true, and it just was a matter of time until that got lived out. Um, that challenge reaches into every corner of our lives. Do we look at the world and try and, and, and make Scripture make sense in light of... Um, our understanding of the world, or do we look at Scripture first mm. and then let the rest of our worldview fall into line with Scripture? That's that's the challenge for us if we're serious about being disciples of Jesus. Yeah, and uh, I'm not trying to um, steal any thunder, but it's a great lead-in to the next series, yes. which is all about God has a design, God has a plan, it's revealed to us in Scripture, and that is ultimately where we start and what informs everything. <laughs> yeah, it really does lay the foundation for this next series. And I, I just want to say, um, I know that there will be people that heard my teaser for the series that are really worried about where this is going. Yeah. And I think it's going to go to a place that you probably don't anticipate in terms of, of looking at what God's Word says for um, God's design for men, for women, for marriage, for singleness, for all kinds of stuff. Yep. Yeah. And I think that ultimately, again, just kind of speaks to where we are as a church. We're right. Church of the Bible. Yeah. So. I, yeah. It, um, if you've been around North Point, I've said over and over and over again, it doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter what Jake says. It doesn't matter what Chris says. It doesn't matter what um, any other religious teacher says. What matters is what Scripture says, and that that's the place that we go. That's the source for for um, for how we live our life, how we have a relationship with God. Yep, that's great. That's all I have. Cool. Unless there's other stuff about Jude you wanted to address or talk about, but... I don't think so. I, I, I actually think, you know, it's, it's funny. Jude is not a book that we typically... Um, read or talk about often. Uh, at some point in time, I think I'd probably like to do uh, a three or four week series on it because yeah. there's so much to unpack there. Yeah. I think the 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 understanding of the error of Cain and the error of Balaam and the error of Korah. Um, man, there's just there's a lot there. Uh, one of the things that that I think. When I look big picture at the at the book of Jude that I mentioned just kind of in my wrap up my takeaways, 
I think that there's something that's really um, relevant for us in 2021, right now, with Jude's clear teaching about um, uh, unwillingness to submit to authority. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll let you kind of take that wherever you want to go in your life, whether that's, you know, spiritual authority, governmental authority, whatever it is, um, our willingness to submit to authority in our lives is more a reflection on our willingness to trust God mm. than it is about how good or bad the authority is. We, we tend to say, oh, yeah, I'll submit if I agree with them. But if I don't agree with them, I don't need to listen to them because I'm an American. Yep. Um, that means I never have to submit that. Uh, and um, it's, it is just remarkable yeah. that with Cain, with Korah, with Balaam, with um, uh, he spells it out directly. They defy authority. Um, there's there's something incredibly uh, relevant and convicting for us in that. Yeah, no, that's great. That's probably not the greatest way to conclude the podcast, but uh, that's it's a brain there. teaser. That's right. Brain teaser. Think for you. think on these things. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Rick, for for diving into Jude for taking yep. time to do this. We appreciate it. Uh, thank you for submitting questions. Be sure to. Uh, do all the good social media stuff with the video. Like, subscribe, share, comment. Keep the conversation going. We love continuing the conversation yeah. beyond. Yeah, we actually talked video. about that last week. That um, it, it would be great if even out of the podcast, you've got questions that come out of that. Feel free to just leave those in the comments, and yeah. and we'll respond to them, or shoot us an email, text, yep. whatever. Yep, always always good to keep the conversation going. So thank you for tuning in. We appreciate it. We'll see you next week.